This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. And I'm Haley Stoddart. Zach, you know, he's off filming the Green Berets again. I think they're doing number three this time, right? I think so. I think so. Yep. Back in training? He needs a lot of training. (laughs) I'm sure he does. (laughs) Uh, Ken and I are going to discuss, uh, probably I think, and a lot of other people would say, the biggest figure and icon in Star Trek, Mr. Spock. Yeah, Mr. Spock. So Haley, welcome back. It's, Thank you. it's great to have you back on the show. I'm glad to have you nice as a as a nice regular fill-in. You know, Zach is is a great guy and he's busy and then when we trade off, so it's it's nice to have consistency. Uh one of the things that brought us together on this subject is the fact that you're a big fan of Vulcans and their philosophy. So before we talk Spock, I'm really curious, what about Vulcan or Vulcan philosophy? you know, that uh, has you finding them so intriguing? You know, uh, I very much aspire to the logical, rational side of my mind, Mm kind of always have. Um, And so that for me is probably the biggest drive. Very much feel, I look at a lot of things and I go, you know, really, can we look at this rationally? (laughs) (laughs) And it's very frustrating for me. Um, I have a degree in, um, in the sciences and psychology, mm-hmm. um, which probably some people might say really, but that's not logic and rational because you're looking at emotions and things like that. But it's very, it very much feels in line with, I think, that logical, rational side because I want people to look at things logically and rationally. And so I try to bring that into my work. So that's kind of more what appealed to me than anything. Yeah, and... and- you you started off obviously a big TNG fan, right? Yes. Now there weren't a lot of Vulcans. There were <laughs> some. Think, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously we we run into Spock and Sarek mm-hmm. several times, um, and off the top of my head, without googling mm-hmm. anything, uh, there I think there was an episode where there was a Vulcan science officer, but he was not there afterwards. 
Well, you had and, Susie Plaxon who played a doctor who was a Vulcan. Yes, and ship. she was on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a male Vulcan too at one point. And yeah, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you. But yeah, I know. <laughs> well, that's what I find so interesting. So there's, there's two things there, I guess. Now, as, as a psychologist major, and, and you're doing a lot of work that helps people, so you're, you're into human behavior, is it something that appealed to you because you, know, you were very emotional and you were looking to, to gain some control, or is it just a thought process that you were trying to hone? More of a thought process. Um, my dad very much was a grow-up, tough, be tough kind of person, uh-huh. <laughs> and you know, I'm not saying I don't have human emotions whatsoever. Um, but no, it's very much a thought process. It's, it's looking at things from not an overly emotional state mm-hmm. that I try to live by. Well, I would imagine in psychology, right, one of the key attributes is you have to be dispassionate and non-judgmental, mm-hmm. right? So in my world, you know, I'm very dispassionate when it comes to looking at data. I want data to make the decision as to what's best to run our facilities or do what it is. And I would, I would imagine it's kind of flip because when you're talking about dealing with people, you have to, I guess, separate yourself from your own biases, right? And then try to be very, very focused on what the issues are and just very dispassionately don't judge and try to help them work through their issues. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, with that, it's, you had mentioned about looking at, um, now I've, <laughs> it's been a long day. I've kind of lost my train of thought there for a second. Don't worry um, about it. <laughs> I'm very much, I think, you know, we look at Spock in TOS and he was very much not studying humans, but he was. Mm-hmm. And so for me, both, I've always kind of, I'm a people watcher. I like to sit and watch people and, and study people and, and try to figure things out and um, apply that rational logic to what people are doing. And I try to bring that to my work because so many people are unrational and illogical <laughs> in my line of work that I try to bring that aspect to kind of bring people back to that okay, wait, I'm, I'm looking at things not in a rational way. Yeah, I understand. I think that's a great, that's a great characteristic, Haley, because, you know, in today's world, people are so quick to judge or to write something or they see something and they just react. You know, it's that microwave society versus mm-hmm. take a step back. Are you really looking at it through the right lens, whatever that is, you know, I'll put quotes around air quotes that you can't see, ladies and gentlemen, over the word right. <laughs> and making sure we're, we're given its due process, right? Are we, are we just reacting on something that may or may not be the case? And, and so that, that's interesting you say that because I'm a big people watcher too. Um, probably though, uh, less altruistic. <laughs> <laughs> and what I mean is, you know, I travel a lot. So I'm in airports and I, I watch behaviors or I watch you know, um, fashion or I watch, you know, just, just how certain people react. And, and it, to me, it's, it's interesting. I, I am going to write a book on this one day, I, I swear. And it'll be, it, it'll be great for people that travel a lot. So you can kind of steer and navigate you around through airports and, 
you know, it'll be kind of a where's Waldo. Okay, did you see the guy who's doing this? Or did you see the, you know, <laughs> that, that type of thing. You know, Airports are interesting. <laughs> they are fascinating, especially when things aren't going well. That's when it really gets interesting. Yes. You know, like all of a sudden a flight attendant can control the weather. It's amazing the expectations. <laughs> okay. So we digressed a little bit, but that's fun. No, thank you for sharing that. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting on a podcast because, uh, you know, it's, there's, there's so many great things about the people that, that we talk to all the time or who listen to us and, and getting to know each other. And I think it, it opens the door a little bit for people to understand who we are when we talk through these things. And that's why, for me, it was really interesting to talk Spock, I see that rhyme there, with you. So if we go back a little bit, well, not a little bit. Let's go back 51 years. That's a long time. Kenny yeah. was very little. Um, and I wasn't even a thought. <laughs> you know, is Zach training you on the outside or something just to kind of put salt in the wound? I'll talk to him later. Okay. Hey, when Ken does this, you say that. Okay. Um, let's be kind to the elderly. So anyway, Spock, um, you know, the, the show catches on in 1966. Uh, its first season really goes well. You know, after they do the pilot, they bring in William Shatner, very leading mannish, very heroic, um, huge ego, right? Huge mm, ego. Yeah. And then you have Leonard Nimoy, who also had quite a bit of an ego, uh, if you, you know, you read his biographies and stuff, but not like Shatner, two, two very different. And um, one of the things that kind of I guess for a while there created a bit of animosity and I think friendly rivalry to a degree was the fact that Spock or Leonard Nimoy, excuse me, started getting a lot more fan mail than William Shatner. You know, so Shatner would get the, the tote and Nimoy would get the big, you know, sea bag full that they would, yeah. they would dump out, which is, is pretty interesting. And so, you know, as we said at the beginning of the show, Spock became kind of the icon of it, but but Shatner didn't like that much at all because he was the leading man. And I'm wondering now that you're rewatching or watching, I should say, TOS for the first time and maybe rewatching certain episodes, and you've seen a lot of the movies. What is it about Spock you think that makes him so attractive? And I won't say to women because that's not right, but just so attractive in general to people. What what is it about his characteristics that draw you in? You know, I think. For me, mm -hmm. uh, I appreciate him because he wasn't the one who was in the spotlight. You know, Kirk always gets the girl or, you know, wiles his way to get the girl. Um, he's very brash sometimes. Um, and he's he very much is that ego on screen. And I think, you know, Spock, Leonard Nimoy, he was very calm mm -hmm. and level-headed and he wasn't the, um, the ego. He wasn't, you know, he was very much that, that calming factor. And I think that probably drew in a lot of people um, to his character, aside from the fact that, you know, we're getting someone and he's got these pointed ears and he has these facial expressions, which I absolutely love. I, uh -huh. His facial expressions speak volumes. <laughs> it's great. My kiddo laughs when he raises an eyebrow and the few times that you get that smile and she just is like, oh my gosh. And every time Kirk gets the girl and kisses the girl, she's just like, really, I saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. You know, um, and I think part of probably what, um, so I read the, um, Leonard, my, the book that Shatner wrote or helped write about his friendship with Leonard. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of it was, yes, neither of them were really huge and Shatner probably had more of a presence than Leonard did, but Shatner was also Canadian. And so he came over to film it. So I think that might've maybe played a role for some people. I don't know. I don't know. I never looked at it from that perspective as, as being the Canadian in the role because he he came across so quote unquote, all American, which Mm -hmm. whatever that means. Right. (laughs) No, but I, I, I can see what you're saying because I think when we watch Star Trek, Spock is always kind of the person who is the problem solver. Mm-hmm. he's not the action taker in all the things, but he's kind of the problem solver because that's what he does. He deduces yeah. or he finds a way, you know, to keep the computer busy, you know, compute to the last digit, the value of pi or <laughs> whatever it is. He also had great humor, right? It was really, yeah. really dry. And, you know, it's funny watching uh, discovery in their mirror universe, you know, and I always think of mirror mirror, which was, I thought a brilliant episode. And in the ending, you know, where Spock is telling, you know, about all the attributes of the Mira Kirk O'Hara and Scotty and how he found them quite refreshing. Yeah. And you throw in, in McCoy there and you have, you have the whole triad, but no, that, that, that's interesting to, to kind of talk through because, you know, as, um, as the show went on, obviously Spock's brain was <laughs> one of the, craziest episodes ever filmed but <laughs> not as bad as people say it is no it was enjoyable we it watched it <laughs> i liked it you know i, I mean that's, that's something we did a big show on that when uh, we first took over uh norm and jeff and i we had a good time with it and um you know and, and i remember the characteristic there though it wasn't really spock right i mean at the end of that that movie and i don't mean because of the operation it was just it was season one i'm sorry season three first episode mm-hmm and he was kind of out of character a bit, you know, yeah. about talking about all these things that he knew. And then, and then he came back into character. And then as it evolved, um, Spock kind of went through a metamorphosis. So uh, in Star Trek, the motion picture, I mean, there wasn't even barely a hint that Spock was there. Yeah. Yeah. So when you saw that version of Spock, was it kind of like, who is this guy or... Well, you're like, man, he is really into logic and data and so forth. Is that something that you found pretty cool? Or did you find it too dry? Um, no, it was, for me, it was interesting. I, I actually like the dry humor. I watch a lot of British television. So mm-hmm. the dry humor is my favorite. I find it hilarious. Um, I didn't notice too much of a difference. Or if I did, I just probably chalked it up to that's how he wanted to portray Spock at this particular time. Well, he was going through the colonor, right? Which was to purge all emotions. So he was Mm -hmm. really very logical. In fact, you know, abrupt and arrogant, I would say. Uh, And his voice tone was also much lower. So it was, it was just an interesting way to play the character. I really liked it too, because when he shed a few tears in that movie, it was very powerful. I thought. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's trying to find his way back into that niche of being part of the team again. So I liked it. And then when we saw Star Trek two, he was pretty much the old Spock, right? He is- yeah. 
Very back much in so. character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, gosh, I can't, I have to, it's been a while. I haven't watched motion picture in a little while. That's okay, I'll forgive you. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, how you can't watch the best one of them all, uh, <laughs> but um, what, I, what I think though, uh, what was interesting is how um, Spock almost didn't come back or Nimoy almost didn't come back to make the movies. And, you know, he was very upset with um, Roddenberry. They did not yes. get along at all yeah, no. because Roddenberry was making a lot of money off his likeness. Um, he was getting all the residuals. The cast wasn't really getting anything. So there was, there was a lot of animosity towards Gene. And then they kind of reconciled the lawsuit and he came back. But I was, you know, as, as Spock um, continued on for over these years, I always felt like, um, you know, he evolved too. Um, he, ironically, for a person who was trying to shed all emotion, became more emotional. So as Spock, you know, went, went through um, the different incarnations of dying and coming back to life and then trying to figure things out. I think, you know, it really wrapped itself up very well in Star Trek VI. You know, we saw a whole different side of him, you know, where um, logic is the beginning of wisdom and things along those lines, but it wasn't the holistic answer. And I was curious, as you went through your voyage of the movies, um, if, his, if you saw the change in the character or if you thought it was pretty much aligned with what they did in the TV show. And as he got older, um, you know, to become more like that father figure. So I haven't watched six. I know I've watched five, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I haven't watched six or if I have, it's been so long that I don't even remember. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, but I think probably, you know, just like anybody else, I think with age, he brought everything that he had learned. Leonard had learned himself um, you know, through his own experiences with his family and everything like that. And I think he brought that to the character. I mean, how can you not, even though Spock obviously probably wouldn't bring that to the character because it's Spock. And, um, but I think that effect on him probably affected the character in a good way. I think, mm -hmm. I think as it went on, you know, no, I think, you know, there was the, the first biography, I am not Spock which he regretted uh, that they used that title for the book. And he wasn't bashing it, but a lot of people assumed he hated the character, which he didn't. Mm -hmm. He just kind of hated what was happening. And, but he, he wasn't at peace with it because obviously he was typecast a lot. And then, yeah. and then he, um, he comes back for the motion picture. The experience on that set wasn't great. I think there was, you know, Gene created a mess, him and David Livingston. I th you know, I thought they made a great movie. Most people said it was a boring movie and they're right, but I, I liked it. And then in Star Trek II, it found its footing again. It was like being back on the show and he fell in love with the character. He fell in love with the team. And then of course he wanted to come back, which was exactly what they, what they figured he never wanted to do. So I find mm -hmm. that, that that evolved. And then the way he played the character, as you'll see when you see Star Trek VI, um, it's, it's really quite touching you know, as a mentor and a father figure to, to one of the main characters in the movie. So I, I, I kind of got a kick out of that. And I thought that, um, you know, I, I still find it hard to believe that Leonard Nimoy's gone. Yeah, that, that day, I didn't think it would affect me as much as it did. Um, 
I had classes in the morning. I had two classes back to back. I was in school. Mm -hmm. And um, so I hadn't been on social media at all at that point. Um, I think I was just on Facebook and I would do Tumblr because Tumblr was fun and a distraction between classes for me. But um, I think I got onto Facebook and I, I saw something and I, I broke down. I cried all day. I avoided all social media. I even had coworkers um, like for the next several days asking me if I was okay mm -hmm. um, and saying, oh, I heard and I'm sorry. I was thinking about you. And that was really sweet. But yeah, that was it. It hit me a lot harder than I thought it would growing up someone who hadn't until now watched the original series and had seen a few of the movies, but hadn't seen them for quite a while. Isn't that something? The impact. Yeah. 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 Well, you, you had seen the, um, the two JJ films by then, right? Mm -hmm. so he, he was obviously there. And I remember somebody said, um, you know, that Leonard, Leonard Nimoy was 81 and he didn't look a day over 80. I thought that was kind of mean, but yeah, he was, <laughs> he was definitely, you know, um, playing a much older character. But I, I thought, like you, that it was wonderful to see him in those mm -hmm. movies. And it brought legitimacy, in my mind, to the reboots. You know, yeah. because he was in those movies. But like you, um, because he was such a huge part of my life, I was I was really down. I, I don't remember if I actually cried, but that's sometimes stupid ego me. I, I, I'm one of those guys where I'll cry when I don't expect it. And when I should, I don't. I don't know. So <laughs> you need to work on me. So I'll be your next client. And um, we can figure that out. But I, I do think that, uh, you know, it's left a hole in Star Trek. And um mm -hmm. You know, as Shatner, I mean, God, what is he, 86, 87? The guy's still yeah. amazing, amazing. He's got all his faculties and all that energy and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. But yeah, I, I, um, I really miss him. And I think that, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's been one of those things where every once in every time I watch the movie, sometimes I forget that he's gone. And then it'll hit me and you'll feel that, that, that pain in your, in your gut. And um yeah, he's, he was a pretty special guy. And I thought Leonard Nimoy as a human being was quite special. You know, he definitely, he was a caring man. He really was. And um, so it's, it's, it's been a journey. So, you know, obviously they kind of passed the torch with Spock. They were going to pass the torch back in the mid seventies to a character called Zahn, who was going <laughs> to be, you know, Spock with a mullet, <laughs> essentially. Oh. Yeah, you never saw the pictures? No. No, you'll have to look up Zahn on Google. <laughs> okay. And you you can see some of the pictures of the actor who was in Star Trek, the motion picture. He played the commander of Epsilon 9. And, and so his hair was a little bit different. But yeah, he was kind of the cool looking hipster Vulcan. And because um, Nimoy didn't <laughs> no, want to come back. We don't need hipster Vulcans. I think there's no. enough hipsters going around. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the wrong term. <laughs> you know, when you're my age, everybody's a hippie. <laughs> <laughs> that type of thing. So that's probably what it is more than anything. But at any rate, so Zahn, Zahn was, you know, first going to be the new Spock, so to speak, or take over. And then when they settled the lawsuit and Spock came back. So that was it. But then when we come around to 2009 and we got Star Trek all over again, uh, Zachary Quinto uh, yeah. picked up the mantle. What did you think of his Spock? I... So at that point, obviously, hadn't watched any TOS, so I didn't know Spock. 
mm-hmm. but I enjoyed it. I thought all around the cast did really well. I thought it was great that, especially that Zach and Leonard had that friendship and that they had that bond, not just because Leonard was in the film, but they got together beforehand and talked about Spock. And I think that was great that they could make that friendship. Mm-hmm. And so Zachary could kind of pick up on some of the mannerisms and, and portray Spock as a younger Spock, but I thought he did well. What about you? Yes. Growing up obviously with TOS, so you grew up with Spock, so. Mm-hmm. I thought he was really good. Uh, very, very good. Well-written character for the movie. Um, you know, he started off kind of <laughs> not cool, you know? I mean, he, it was yeah. okay. I mean, you, you, get, you got to see his childhood, which we had kind of seen bits and pieces of in the animated series, if, if you've ever seen it. Uh, but in that movie, obviously, you saw what he was up against. Um, his, the, I thought the way they wrote his scene to exit uh, Starfleet, I'm sorry, the Vulcan Academy and go to Starfleet was wonderfully done. Oh, you yeah. Know, he wasn't <laughs> going to play. Yep. He wasn't going <laughs> to play with bigotry. So I thought that was pretty cool. And I thought that, you know, he played kind of a, um, an arrogant, you know, kind of snobby officer at first. And of course, they had set it up that way on purpose. So I was kind of waiting for when is this friendship going to evolve? Mm-hmm. And by pulling Leonard Nimoy, back in he kind of set it all straight and i thought he did a great job you know yeah. about a friendship that would define them both and i thought that was such a wonderful line you know him talking about you know you need to get closer with kirk you need to understand that the two of you coming from two different angles will solve problems and save lives and do all those things so that evolution from the beginning of the film to the end I thought took a little long for me because I didn't feel comfortable with it. But once it arrived, I was pretty happy, you know, and of course the big slap and the buckle up and all that other stuff (laughs) and, you know, um, wanting to be his first officer. I I thought it was, I thought it was really well done. And the second movie, it was just a tough movie, but I liked it, but not as a Star Trek film, but the third one, oh, he killed it. He absolutely killed it. Yeah, (laughs) it was great. I loved it. Definitely. Yeah, him and him and Bones in that pairing was phenomenal. Yeah, and and like I said, I know we're talking about Spock, but um, Carl Urban as Bones, I just, I he does it so well. I'm mean, really, I think the main cast, they, I don't know how much they they watched and kind of studied the characters that they were going to be portraying as like their slightly younger versions. So obviously they wouldn't be exactly the same, but I really especially by by the third film i think they were portraying their characters so well to mm-hmm. who they would eventually become in tos well it's funny i i interviewed um kathleen smith who wrote the a, a book about she she was um she was deforest kelly's um, caretaker and best friend and 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 deforest wife's best friend for many many years it's a it's a great book and um she, I asked her about Carl Urban's portrayal, and I guess she spoke to him, you know, mm-hmm. and asked him about it. So um, DeForest Kelly wore a pinky ring throughout the series. And if you look carefully, you, you can I'll see it. Look. Yeah. 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 I'll watch and, the next time. <laughs> yeah. And, and one of the things was, uh, you know, Roddenberry said, you need to take that off. And he's like, uh-uh, Aww. I won't take it off. You know, this is, uh, you know, this is, this is for his wife and whatnot. So he refused to take it off. If you look 
Urban's wearing the ring too. Mm-hmm. So it, they talk about studying your character and really getting yeah. to know it. Yeah, Carl Urban really, he, he loved uh, Bones. And I thought, yeah, he, he nails him. I think he does a, does a really good job. And, yeah. and so the two of them with Quinto and Urban uh, and Chris Pine, well, the whole recast crew, I think does a phenomenal job. I really do. Oh, definitely. So yeah, so those two characters that pulled it off really well, uh, both Quinto and and Carl Urban nailed nailed their parts, and that's why I so desperately want another Star Trek movie with yes. the original cast. Mm-hmm. You know, because they just really had the chemistry going in everything and beyond. So I miss Spock. I want more Spock. Yeah, that's that's my sentiment, and um, being uh, half Vulcan. I'm claiming that. You that are? Sure. Oh, I'm claiming that for sure. <laughs> are you? Wow. I, okay. I have been Explain told... how that legally happens. <laughs> um, well, I don't know legally, but I, I've, I've been told that, uh, yeah, it, it fits me very well. <laughs> but uh, Spock is definitely uh, my daughter's favorite character. Really? Oh, yeah. She loves Not even Spock. close. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Data's her TNG person, so kind of makes sense that Spock would be her, her TOS person. So um, we're very much, very much Spock, Spock people in this house. Spock well, that's lovers. good because you know, listen, I love TNG, but Spock is one million eight hundred seventy-two thousand times better than Data. <laughs> we could argue that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well. <Spock> or Data. <laughs> Well, with all your training and logic, I would probably lose the argument. <laughs> so I won't argue that. But anyway, I, I do think, I mean, obviously there's a lot of characteristics between the two and um, there's a reason Data is what he is. And of course they exactly. had two, two opposite objectives, which is pretty cool. Yeah, which is really interesting, you know? Yeah, that's, yeah, that is an interesting, interesting, very, and see, that's me too, right? I very much try to be more logical and rational than emotional so yeah it just works and i now have script transcribed people can't see this but i do i've got um i've got both live long and prosper and peace and long life and then um i've got logic actually i found uh the vulcan script for logic and i've got that on the back of my neck so yeah (laughs) i guess that would qualify you as half vulcan (laughs) That would work, just that alone, you know, uh, and that's pretty cool. I, I mean, there's a lot of special things that you can get out of Star Trek, right? We're all big fans. We we love it to death. We love its philosophy. We love what it's trying to um, symbolize. And boy, you have really taken on, I think, something really special. And, you know, there's a lot of the characteristics of the Vulcans of Spock mm-hmm. be- because Leonard Nimoy just went and created it. He did, right. and that was the, amazing. Yeah, the symbology, yeah. the everything about it. And, you know, if they asked him to do something violent, he was like, no, Vulcans would do it this way, you know, with the neck pinch. Or, mm-hmm. And he just made them very special. He really defined what Vulcans became. And so much, I think, of what is a Vulcan is what Leonard Nimoy was. Yeah, I, I think, um, again, in reading that, the book, the Leonard, My 50-Year Friendship, um, I, I know I'm forgetting the entire title of it. Um, he kind of discusses about that, that concept that, you know, Leonard very much 
he was the one who made the character. And I think that's why he had the problems that he had with Jean when Jean started making a lot of royalties off of the Spock character and, and things like that. It was a lot of it was conflict that he was just like, well, Spock wouldn't be seen smoking you know, or Spock wouldn't do this or Spock wouldn't do that, not just with the writers, but I think with some of the likenesses that Gene was putting out there. And he did, he brought that character to life, which I think was amazing out of, he was given very little about what Spock was going to be. And he took that and he just changed it and he made it something completely unique and his alone. Mm -hmm. Yep, and it's, it's carried forth quite brilliantly. Um, I wish there was, uh, I, I know we have Sarek in the new series, but I, I want more. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want it necessarily to be Sarek, you know, but let's, <laughs> I, I think it's we've okay. had a lot of, I think we've had a lot of Sarek over the years. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think we've had plenty of Sarek. So we, we need to move on from him. So as we kind of wrap up, Haley, um, if you were to, I guess, encapsulate what it is in, in summarizing what it is about the Vulcans that, that mean the most to you, what would that be? I think for me, coming from a place where, you know, there's a lot of people not understanding each other. Mm -hmm. And, or like you were saying earlier, jumping to conclusions and trying to respond before you actually fully listen before you fully understand what it is the other person is saying, what it is that you're reading. I think that calmness and that coolness, that logic, that rational, I'm going to step back from this, whatever it is, whatever situation, whatever it is that you're reading, that's trying to get you emotionally hyped up. Just take that step back and, and to look at the situation before you react, before you respond is, really what grabs me and I think grabs some other people who who see that because there's just not enough of that anymore and it's hard to live in a world where I do that and I try to do that as much as possible and everyone else around me for the most part is just I'm going to react right away before I before I really think about this and so I wish that was more prevalent. Yes, we need more Spock. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We need more Vulcan Spock. We do. We really do. I uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I thought, one, that was very eloquent. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I, 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 I hear what you're saying. I think, um, yeah, I think we're in complete alignment. I think that's why we get along um, and, and why a lot of the friends on this network get along. Uh, we all have very different backgrounds, um, uh, very different, I guess, roads that we've traveled and none of us can say we've ever walked one inch, never mind a mile in anyone else's shoes. But yet it's that, that love of Star Trek that brings us together. We can have mm -hmm. these discussions. And even if it's not 100% aligned, and it very rarely is, um, we step back, we hear what you have to say. And I think it's wonderful. And then we get to talk about it more in the Babel Conference, which is always fun. Yes. Right? So that's, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of neat. But I, I like the way, you know, I hope I just didn't step my, I didn't put my foot through a Picasso because you ended that perfectly. So <laughs> I don't want to well, thank go you. any further. So Spock isn't the only thing we are discussing. Here are some of the other great topics elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Literary Treks.
But let's start with that first one, that siege in super space. So, oh boy, super space. I I don't know. Is this is this better than subspace? Is it? Well, I think is it this? is. I, the thing I I really love about this issue is we haven't had uh, many stories at all about super space. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Right. So okay, they're under orders. They're not supposed to talk about, it, and that's how they. That's how you maintain the continuity. That Kirk and Spock are surprised that there's a mirror universe. I mean, that works. That 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 makes sense. But these people were there. They know that there's doppelgangers there because they know that because Cadet Tilly became Captain Killy. Right. They know. They know this. To the journey. There was a lot of face melting in this episode. You're right. <laughs> Everyone's melting. What a world. What a world. It was, yeah, and everybody was slightly looking. Why were they so sweaty? Why? Seven of Nine had this full-on board queen look about her. She did, and who else was really sweaty looking besides Seven? Neelix was really sweaty looking. Yeah, well, yeah, I thought. he was. And he had kind of a silver tone. He had the silver he blood. He did. Chemistry. Like, he was distinguished. Distinguished melting Neelix. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he got a buff and polish. <laughs> <laughs> the 602 Club. No, I I mean, it was really all we had was like animated shows. Like you had like the animated Batman series, the animated Superman series. And uh, as far as the big screen went, it was not so great. I mean, you had Blade. Blade was some people cite Blade as kind of the precursor for the superhero genre picking back up. But it was very much kind of a, a genre film. I don't. I know technically it is a comic book film. I don't know if I'd count it in the realm of, like, big-budget superhero movies. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and a written review. Zach and I really appreciate those both ways. How can we get better? How can we improve? Anyway, if you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and most third-party apps. You can stream and download the MP3 file from our website, or grab the RSS link. If you'd like to help keep us running and keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit Patreon slash TrekFN, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash TrekFM to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons website, PatronZone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details on patreon.com slash trekfm. A big special thank you to our associate producers. They are Norman C. Lau, Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, and joining the team very recently is Dan Rhodes. Thank you, Dan, for coming aboard and joining this fine crew that we have here on Standard Orbit. Your support, all of your support, means the world to us. We'd also love to hear your thoughts on today's show. 
And there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trekfm.contact. Choose to send a show and select from Standard Orbit. That will come right to us. You can also find the network Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. So thank you everyone for listening to Standard Orbit this week. We appreciate you listening, contributing, letting us know what's going on, and we'll look forward to speaking with you next time on Standard Orbit. <laughs>